We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 88. We have got from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was a first round pick of the Jackets. He's a second generation jacket, making a name for himself in the NHL. Cole Sillinger joins us, and we have one of the best follows in Brown's Twitter. It's Jake Burns from the OBR and the host of the OBR Film Breakdown. Jake is going to jump in to break down everything Browns. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 88 of the Garage Beers podcast, brought to you on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. Go check them out. You can go find the Garage Beers podcast online at The Garage Beers on pretty much every social media site that you can think of, including our TikTok, including YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all of our socials, uh, and you can stay up to date with everything we got going on on the Garage Beers podcast. And if you love us and you want a cool shirt or a hat, get over to garagebeershop.com and pick one up. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. You can find me at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me, as always, over on the east side of Cleveland, find him online at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Guys, I don't mean... Hi, by the way. Uh, uh, hi, hi. Um, I don't mean... To, I, I know I usually try to bring the funny. I know you usually try to keep things lighthearted on this show. Uh, but I just got to say, I got to start it off with something serious. I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off. I'm sick to my stomach. I am, I am, I I am just absolutely disgusted. I I just read this Jenner and Block report, uh, that the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, it it was a law firm that the Chicago Blackhawks hired, uh, to do an internal investigation on the sexual assault charge and the findings that they had, the, 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 the highlights in the report were absolutely disgusting. And I am so ashamed to even call myself. I've been, I've been a Blackhawks fan for as long as I can remember, for as long as I have discovered hockey. I've been, I've been a Blackhawks fan. I don't think I can be a Blackhawks fan anymore. The, the conduct that that team showed between from, from Joel Quenville uh, to the human resource, to, to everybody on up that had knowledge of that situation and did nothing about it because... They were one game away from the Stanley Cup Finals. 
is is absolutely abhorrent to me and disgusting. Kyle Beach and everybody else affected by that situation of Brad Aldrich deserved so much better than the way that than the way it got treated. But I mean, if between players, between coaches, I, I I can't believe Joel Quenville is even coaching the Florida Panthers tonight after that report that I read. I am disgusted. Sorry, and I don't think I can be a Blackhawks fan anymore. So I mean, whatever. No, listen, NHL teams. Get at me because I'm looking for a second team. I'm a Blue Jackets fan now. Get at me. I'm looking for a second team. I was going to say I had to. I had to. I had to just I had to get that out. uh, And now we'll resume our regularly scheduled funny. No, but I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up, Chad, because you have been a Blackhawks fan forever. And and I saw some of the reports. But listen, this is until something changes, which hopefully these kind of things are sparking that change. It is what this is what happens. We saw it to a much lesser degree, but to a degree here in Cleveland with Mickey Calloway and and all the allegations that went against him. And then all of a sudden it was like eh, everybody knew about that. Everybody knew about that, but nobody's going to say anything because they think he's a good pitching coach, which is not a good way to live life because being a pitching coach is not more important than being a person. Uh, being a hockey player or a coach is not more important than being a person. Uh, and, and, and so until more of these things start happening until more people like several people from the Blackhawks start having their careers ended, uh, uh, and even worse, you're just going to keep, you're going to keep seeing these stories come out. Uh, Yeah. But it's going to, it's going to keep happening because this we're, we live in a time now. I hope everybody's learning a good lesson from this. Whatever you put out there, whatever you do, doesn't matter when it happens, it's going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. It's got, nothing disappears anymore. There's no sweeping things under the rug anymore. It's going to come back to you. So I hope a lot of people are watching and looking at these investigations because I'm sure a lot of these guys with the Blackhawks thought this was behind them. They never had to think about it again. Uh, and yeah, well, here you are. Your career's over. Uh, yeah. So I hope a lot of people are paying attention. Yeah, and thankfully, Kyle Beach, you know, I mean, if you watch that TSN interview that he had when he just breaks down in tears, you just your heart just absolutely sinks for him. I mean, this was a kid who literally just got called up from juniors and just got called up from juniors and was a black ace on that 2010 Blackhawk team. And, And he thought he thought his dreams were becoming a reality and they were just crashed by a video, a fucking video coach. Are you kidding me? Like, like, yeah. uh, 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 and, this, and this was a guy who from Michigan, when he was working with the team up in Michigan, had in, like incidents happen up there. And, and, and the Blackhawks knew this and they still hired him. Like, what is what is wrong with people? Right. Oh. Hey, listen, uh, uh, I'm glad you brought that. I think, you know, I'm glad you got it off your chest because I know that hits home to you. Uh, but from now on, no more serious things from you because I don't I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, like I said, back to regularly scheduled funny, dude. I got a, I got an incredible, uh, like, shitty, scary, funny, scary movie to bring up at the end of the show. I can't wait for that. We're gonna get to that later, but 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 listen, we've monopolized the t- time for too long because <laughs> for a couple weeks now, we've been missing oh. a crucial part of what we do here on the podcast. Uh, our third leg, if you will, uh, on the podcast. Uh, he hasn't been able to be with us the last couple weeks, but he's back this week down in Nashville, Tennessee. Go follow him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. Welcome back, Joe. Man, oh, man, it's good to be back. 
It's good to Thanks. see you. Hi, yeah, Joey. Hi. Chad, it's very tough to tell when you're serious until you deliver. <laughs> until, until, until I what? Until you like actually deliver what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> I do I do question this because you, you are really good and like tricky and sometimes you'll get really serious and then you'll say something really funny. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure which way that was going to go for a minute there. <laughs> oh, man. And then obviously we knew which way that went. Um, I have a like a happier hockey story. I got the honor to go to the Seattle Kraken's first ever win. Let's go. Uh, like, what was it two weeks ago, weeks ago. against the yeah. National Predators? Surprise home opener. Um, then my fiance's family was in town. Um, and we went to they're from Seattle, and uh, that was their first cracking game as well. So we went to the cracking game and they slapped it on the Preds. And um, well, what's new there? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. it was great. It was, it was, it's always fun. Like, I don't know. I guess I haven't seen an expansion team or like really followed an expansion team in other sports, but like it's really fun watching players on that expansion team like they look like they're just having like there's not like a ton of expectations like pressure on them like they look like they're having the most fun out of any team playing except maybe blue jackets right now but yeah. uh you know they're having such a good time and it was it was cool to see their first one so uh that's yeah that's yeah man you know. That's what yeah, I got. there's nothing better, man. Like those those expansion franchises are essentially misfits, and those guys just they rally around that and they come together, oh, and it's yeah. it's fun to watch. It really is. Yeah. Well, they don't have a choice. That's that's the fun part. They don't have a choice. These aren't guys that have played together for 20 years. These are guys that hey, you're all on a team together now. Yeah. Go get them. Good yeah, luck. And, and, Good luck. And they're all going, but it, it but it forms this bond. It's this this they're all going through it together. Uh, Listen, while we're on the topic of fun hockey stories, I got one last one before we get into the episode here. Uh, real fun story for me. I, uh, starting next week, I enrolled Patrick, my four-year-old son, in skating and hockey lessons. And so Let's my go. kid's going to be out on the ice starting in a couple <laughs> weeks. Uh, it's going to be out in Elyria, which is cool because they've got one of those one of those old school rinks that is actually, it's outdoors with just a roof on it. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Nice. It's kind of Love old it. school. He's going to be out on the ice. They, he's got he's got equipment and all the all the the helmet and the pads and the stick and the uh, the skates. Everything. I am so pumped to get this kid out on the ice. I can't even tell you. Has he been I, on ice before? No, hell no. He's going to be falling all over himself, but he's excited too. <laughs> and, and that's the exciting part. I'm telling you what, man. You keep this. Uh, he keeps going with this all throughout. You know. His youth and up through high school, you better save up that money, man, because hockey is not cheap. <laughs> hockey is not okay. cheap at all. Well, we will uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I'm I'm not convinced there's a lot of athletic bones in his body at this point, but maybe hockey's going to bring it out of him. There so you we'll go. Find out. There you go. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to be a hockey dad, guys. Oh I'm boy, be a hockey dad. Oh god, here come the hoodies and the t-shirts. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, listen. While we are on the subject of hockey, we're just going to get straight into our first interview. So we're skipping the garage beers of the week right now. Why are we skipping the garage beers of the week right now? Because our guest this week isn't old enough to have garage beers of the week. Uh, our first guest, I should say, of this week isn't old enough to have garage beers of the week. He is a first round draft pick of the Columbus Blue, Dra Blue Jackets, and he's making a name for himself in the NHL already. We talked about him before the season about... Uh, is he going to look lost down there? Is he going to have some of those 
18 year old kind of moments. Well, so far he looks like he belongs and that's good signs for the blue jackets. So uh, unfortunately I wasn't a part of it, but Chad uh, and Joe got a chance to talk to blue jackets, rookie first round pick Cole Sillinger. We're going to send it over to that right now. Okay. Joining us now is a man who was an 11th overall pick of the medicine hat tigers in the WHL Bantam draft where he put up 57 points in 52 games played. Not a big deal. Uh, in just about well, a little over a year. Uh, then the COVID-19 pandemic hit, which delayed the start of the WHL season. So the Tigers were able to send him to the Sioux Falls Stampede of the USHL, where he set the world on fire with 46 points in 31 games uh, played, earning him USHL Rookie of the Year honors. And, he was select- and now he was selected 12th overall by the Jackets in this year's NHL entry draft. He's not old enough to join us for a beer, but that's okay because he's accomplished way more athletically than Mike, Joey, and I ever will in our lives. Welcome to the Garage Beers Podcast, Jacket Stud Rookie Centerman, Cole Sillinger. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Uh, so it's a pretty good intro you got going there. <laughs> dude, I, dude I, pr- I got to bed around you know 2 a.m. probably practicing it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're going to get into the season in a minute. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your time leading up to the Jackets here. You know, you spent really, I mean... When you got drafted, you only uh, played four games uh, for Medicine Hat. And, yeah. and then, you know, the, the following year, you played a full season. Uh, so you played a full season with Medicine Hat, you know, before the pandemic hit. Then you go to the USHL in Sioux Falls and you kill it there. That must have been a whirlwind between that full season and COVID hitting and being sent to Sioux Falls. That had to have been just a crazy time period for you. Yeah, um, it it all started kind of yeah, like you said, I was drafted to, to Medicine Hat um, at a pretty young age, and um, at the time I wasn't sure if uh, you know if, if I want to go college or if I was gonna you know choose the Western Hockey League, and um, it just so happens and Medicine Hat's a, a great place, and um, what I thought is is best for my development, and yeah, um, the the rule is when you're 15 years old, you can only play a maximum of, of five games on the Western Hockey League, so I was, I was lucky enough to to play my four. And, uh, and have some experience there. Um, that, so that summer, kind of, um, you know, I knew where I had to get to um, to have um, some success as a as a young rookie in the Western Hockey League. And uh, yeah, I give a, give a lot of credit to my um, no no limex, my old teammates that year. I'm just coming as a young guy. They allow me to play with confidence and uh, just be the player um, I wanted to be. And then yeah, the the, the COVID. COVID was kind of crazy. Um, you know, it shut, shut our league or shut our season down um, in my rookie year in my snap. Um, I thought we had a really good team, really good chance to, I mean, you know, win the West Hockey League and, and go on to um, compete for Memorial Cup. So um, that was a tough pill to swallow when, uh, when the league got canceled. And then uh, the following year, it just got, you no know, the, the start date of the West Hockey just got delayed and delayed and delayed. And, uh, you know, I felt like that summer I did, uh, everything I possibly could to, to make myself a better player. And uh, I want to make sure that um, I got the chance to show it to myself. And uh, I mean, to, to some scouts as it was my draft year. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to, to have the option to, to go down to the USHL and uh, you know, my, my teammates there welcomed me with open arms and uh, it was a great spot to play. Was college ever an option for you or are you like, this is, this is the path I'm going on? Um, I consider college, um, Actually, pretty heavy. I got two older brothers that are both in college now. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was like 14 years old, right? We have to make these decisions and we have no idea when or what we want to do. But um, getting drafted by Medicine Hat um, made it a pretty easy decision to, to choose that place. Are, are your brothers just 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 
over the moon jealous of you just like dude i hate like i hate you like do they pick on you like what's that like oh no they're super supportive i got uh <laughs> you know, me and my two brothers we're really close um we we train together we hang out they're like my best friends so um we basically do everything together and um yeah we're they're super supportive of me and i'm super, super supportive of, of them that's awesome man mm-hmm. well uh okay so then after that you know you get ranked, I believe it was the 10th best uh, skater, North American skater uh, coming into the NHL draft. So draft night comes and you haven't played in any level higher than juniors. That's a, that's a huge leap <laughs> that, that, that you're about to make, man. Like, you know, what were the nerves like on that night? Were you doing anything to stay distracted? Like talk about that experience. Yeah, I'd, I'll start on draft week. So draft, like leading up to the draft, I was getting pretty nervous and stuff like that, but Starting draft week, um, it's kind of when it all all got you know pretty real. Um, the teams that I mean were were I guess considering uh, taking me. I'm um, doing a little bit more um, calls and Zoom calls and you know meet more of their staff um, with those particular teams. So it just b- became more real to me. And yeah, I was obviously very very anxious, very excited um, for the moment. And then on draft day, um, I had some some of my teammates and, and family come down. And we had a you know nice. Uh, kind of revenue and, and Regina rented out for, for the draft and you know, just played some golf in the morning and um, got my mind off of it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy um, with, with how everything ended up, obviously. Now, now okay. So now, I, you know, I, is it the same in the NHL? You get a call from the GM, right? Saying, hey, we're about to draft you. Um, No. So I was just watching on the TV. Normally you're in person and everyone's the draft and no, yeah. you're sitting with your family and then your name gets called by um, the general manager, right? So... Yeah. I was just, it was virtual. I was watching the TV, had my, you know, family, brothers, everything around me. And then uh, all the people had the draft, they were in a separate room. And then, um, so yeah, I was just watching the TV and then uh, my name got picked and um, just celebrated, hugged my family. And then, uh, yeah, y'all all gave me a call after and um, introduced me to the to the Blue Jackets organization. And uh, I just got a lot of text messages from, uh, from the players. And yeah, it was just, uh, <laughs> it was a great night. So that's a complete surprise. I love that. I love that. See, see, this is why this is what makes the NHL separates the NHL from other leagues, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Jesus. It's uh, so you get so you get called. Um, so you know you're now you're now drafted. I mean, obviously your dad uh, in one of his one of his stops was in Columbus. I mean, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on being a part, a big part, uh, really, uh, of the future of a team that your dad played for? Yeah. Um, when my dad played here, I was uh, I was born here, so. Um, it's kind of funny and a little bit ironic on how everything works out. Um, I haven't been really back here, um, since, um, I was born. So, um, it was nice to, to kind of see the city and see everything firsthand. And, um, yeah, like you mentioned, Columbus is a, a really good, uh, really good prospect pool. Um, coming up the pipe and, um, we're obviously, um, young team, youngest team in the NHL this year. So, um, yeah, it's exciting, um, future wise. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll just talk about that. Talking about that, man. So you get to camp, right? You know, you see the city, you know, everything's great. Now, now it's time to get to work, right? You get to camp and all of a sudden you find yourself centering a line with Voracek and Line A on either side of you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden there's this buzz that you might be making the big club. You know, did you have an inkling at that point that you might make it to keep pushing? Or was it like not until Lars just said, uh, hey, silly, uh, guess what? you're on the club <laughs> you made it um i think uh my my whole entire process and mindset through uh 
through camp was just to take it day by day and, and not get too high on myself uh, if I was to get put in a situation like that or not get uh, too low on myself if I you know, wasn't um, playing well or didn't have um, much opportunity or anything like that. So I said uh, stay even keel and control the things I can control and uh, started in Traverse City. Um, I thought uh, well, it was great or I could track back a little bit. Started in Traverse City where I got to They'll meet some of the other prospects um, that were drafted or signed or played in the AHL. Um, so that, that was awesome. Um, we came as a group and uh, won four games there. Uh, we're the best considered prospect team at that tournament. So um, it was great to, to, I mean, get out, get things going on the right foot. And then, uh, yeah, main camp started and <laughs> got pulled with those two guys. Obviously, two uh, really good AHL veterans, really good, uh, I mean, guys in the locker room um they're, they're just great guys to, to be around and to take advice from and um yeah just just had to i mean work hard and when lars uh when lars shook my hand and congratulations it was uh it was a special moment just let's go let's go all right that's cool man okay uh now i want to let's talk about lars for a minute here you know uh one of the big things when lars was named head coach you know i don't know if you followed it at all was, uh, you know, a, a lot of the narrative among uh, Blue Jacket fans that they were, I wouldn't say they were mad at, but they were a little scared of. Like, I, I think people wanted to get a, a separation from Torts and Bre- and Lars being on Torts' staff for so long. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people were afraid that uh, Lars was going to be, you know, just like Torts. And, you know, obviously, John Tortorella is one of the best coaches ever in the National Hockey League. Of course, you're going to pick up some things from him. Yeah. But, what what talk about Lars's style? What 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 type of what type of coach is he? What's he like? You know, we talked about this with Corrali. We're just curious on what your opinion is. Yeah, um, I don't know his similarities with uh, Tortorella because I've never been coached by him. Um, yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, the first thing that that popped up to me about him was uh, just he's he's very approachable and uh, coming from a player that's uh, I mean that that's a great quality to have. You want to be able to. To, to reach out to your coach if you have if you have any issues whether that's you no know, on the ice or any questions or, or away from the rink whatever that may be he, he makes that pretty clear to us that if, if we need anything um, his door is always open and um, he, his motto or we're, our motto is uh, to be the fastest team and, and hardest working team and oh, that's that's kind of what we do is play fast everything that um, he's got drawn up or, need, or anything that he's preaching is to um, you know, play play our motto, and um, it, it, he makes it clear what you need to do every night. And um, yeah, he's just uh, overall real good coach. Awesome, man. Well, let's uh, now let's get into this season a little bit. Opening night comes. You know, uh, obviously, you know, being an eighteen year old kid, it's your first NHL game to put on that sweater. I mean, did you have a moment where you look in the mirror and you're like, "This is this is freaking awesome." And then, like, <laughs> and then obviously, you know, it, it was an emotional night. You know, uh, you, had a, you had a full arena, full nationwide arena coming back. It was it was emotional for a lot of the guys on the team because of the mm-hmm. tragedy with Matisse and, and yeah. Elvis. You know, talk about talk about you know what your what your nerves were like, and also what was the locker room like beforehand? Because you know, it, it was it emotional. Did it feel intense, or was it just did it kind of just feel like a normal game? Yeah. So, so me personally. Um, I had some nerves, um, but I was more excited. And uh, yeah, when I put on that put on that blue jacket jersey and um, went to the, went to the washroom, wet my hair, just kind of looked myself in the mirror and saw myself wearing the the blue jacket jersey, and um, that was a pretty special. I'm like, man, this is gonna be my first NHL game. Just go out there and 
and soak it all in. Um, so that was kind of my process and, and, uh, I know what I want to do during the game is just to, to soak it all in and, uh, try to help, help the boys out and getting the, the first one of the year. And, um, yeah, the, the locker room was, uh, there was some emotion in there for sure. Um, we, we had a little chat just within our, within our group, um, the day before, um, if anybody needed to say any comments, um, just kind of to get them out then. And, um, but yeah, I think everyone was super excited, um, to, to have our, our, our fifth line back in the, in the rink and, um, just to, to play in front of that home crowd. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's, that's pretty freaking cool. Anyway, uh, so all right, next question here, man. Uh, now, ever since that opening night, that opening night win, you boys have been buzzing at home. Like you, I mean, I know you've only had one road game and I know you ran into a, a, a an extremely talented uh, Carolina team, but you know, nobody's going to go 82 and 0 in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Uh, so how, what's been working so well for you guys and, and what do you guys think you need to improve on? I think, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Lars is doing a real good job with, uh, just, you know, trying to create chemistry up and down the lineup and deep pairs goals, as, uh, as much as we can with each other. I mean, you're, you're not going to win games if, uh, if you don't have chemistry and you're not a close group. And that's one thing I can say, um, right now we're, we're, we're family, we're, we're tight, right? So, um, that helps us out. And, um, I mean, yeah, like you said, no one's going to go eight, two and oh, but, um, you just got to keep working. You can never get satisfied. And that's, that's the same thing we're doing right now with us. I mean, yeah, we got a pretty good record at home. Um, we got a, a pretty good record um, overall, but um, we just have to never get satisfied. Keep, keep it going and uh, keep playing to our motto and, and uh, do what um, Lars is preaching. All right. I got three more questions for you. Then, then I'm going to let you out of here. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you know, we talked about Elf. Talked to Elvis about Elvis's opening, you know, opening night with Elvis and everything. You know, it seems like he's been on a mission really ever mm-hmm. since, and he's he's just kind of been on a tear. Talk about his performance in net and what he brings. Yeah, for me, for Elvis, or for me, it starts. Uh, it starts with Elvis in uh, in the gym and and in practice. He's uh, he's a really hard worker. Um, he he wants to to be challenged, and um, I think that's uh, you no know, one one of the best qualities a goalie can have is is to want um, want players to try to score them in practice. And um, he, he's putting the work in in the gym. And um, yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's it's translating to the games. He's uh, he's he's a really good goaltender. Even even Corpy too. Um, we're really confident with uh, with both goalies back there. Um, um, they're just both amazing goalies, both better people. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, we can really rely on them every night. And that's a key for our team's confidence. So now let's go to the other night with your win against Dallas. Mm -hmm. You, my friend, you, my friend, not only uh, did you have a helper in that one, but you, uh, you dropped the mitts for the first time in the NHL. Uh, the, the other night, uh, Gurionov came over and challenged you a little bit after hit on Pavelski. Are, uh, you're not afraid to stand up for the teammates, man. How good did that feel? Yeah, and did you fight? Um, oh, and did you and did you fight in juniors too? I, I don't know. Did you fight in juniors? I've had one fight in juniors in Sioux Falls last year, um, but yeah, not not much of a huge part. I mean, I I play. Uh, I like to think I play. Um, you no, know, with the chip on my shoulder, and uh, I mean, not afraid to do the the dirty work. I guess uh, you know I'd call it. But um, yeah, I hit a hit a veteran player that's been in the league for a while, and. Um, um, I didn't like for me. I didn't think it was uh, an ugly hit. It may have looked uglier than it was, and but obviously glad he's uh, he's okay. And uh, 
I knew that um, I was expecting something, and yeah, um, he he challenged me and uh, dropped his gloves. It was a scrum; wasn't afraid to do that as well. But um, yeah, it was just uh, one of those moments where it's just a heated moment. You're in the moment and uh, running on my drawn. Were you pissed you didn't get your first five minute fighting major? Come on, man! <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it bothers me too bad. Nah. I know, I know. All right, man. Uh, well, actually, actually, I thought of something else. So now you're, you guys are embarking on, you know, a three-game road trip here. You're going into Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers Friday. What do you expect out of them? Yeah, they're they're fast, skilled, no strong team, and uh, you know they're going to be good in their home barn. So um, that's going to something we got to be ready for. We we can't take take them lightly. But um, w- with that being said, uh, we're more worried about our game and, and what we can do and controlling what we can do and. Um, I think that's that's kind of our, our process playing any game. Um, worry about us and, and let, everything, um, let everything else take care of itself. But, yeah, it's going to be a pretty cool experience. I mean, for me, younger younger guy going to New York, playing in Madison Square Garden, um, it's, it's kind of what every, every kid uh, has dreams of. So it'll be a, um, a great weekend. He was the 12th round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is a stud centerman. For CBJ down there, and uh, he he was gracious enough to spend some time with us here on the Garage Beers podcast. Cole Sillinger, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck on this three-game road trip. Hopefully, we can have you back sometime because uh, I want to hear about your rookie party, man. I want to hear about how your rookie party goes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate it. And once again, a huge thank you goes out to the phenomenal rookie for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Cole Sillinger. Chad, man. Were your juices just flowing? Were oh. your juices flowing? <laughs> Dude, I, I loved it. What a what a great kid, man. Uh, you know, he's got big, he's got big things coming for him. I mean, he 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 was he had a quiet confidence about him, is all I could say. And you could tell, like he, he wasn't it wasn't a kid who was who seemed like the moment was too big for him. It was a kid that was, you know, already had the work ethic installed in him, uh, you know, from Mike, his dad, who played for the Blue Jackets. Yeah. And, and awesome. you know, he was going to go out there and, and work hard and see what happens and kind of just take things as they come. And, and sure enough, that resulted in a spot on the Blue Jackets roster, and he's making the most of it right now. It's awesome. Well, listen, Cole Sillinger and the Blue Jackets off to a phenomenal start to the season. They've been a ton of fun to watch. They're winning games. Uh, you know, it's a young team, so who knows? They're going to have their ups and downs through the season. Let's not go too crazy. But... Right now, they are a blast to watch, and Cole is a big part of that. So, again, huge thank you to Cole Sillinger for joining us on the podcast this week. All right, boys. Now, before we get into our next incredible special guest, let's get into our favorite segment of the week. Again, our first special guest couldn't even join us for this because he's not old enough to do that. Uh, uh, So we are going to do right here in the middle of the show, we're going to do our garage beers of the week. And so, Joe... Dude, you've been gone for a couple weeks. You've been gone for a couple weeks. So let's give you the honors, my friend. What is your Garage Beer of the Week this week? My goodness. I'm so excited for this. It's really good. I've I've had a couple sips of it already. Um, My future father-in-law brought me a Seattle beer uh, to bring on the podcast. And the brewery is San Juan Island Brewing Company. And it's Hell's Lager? The other E at the end. Hellas? Hellas. Hellas Lager? Okay. Um, It's a, yeah, it's just like a light, smooth, easy drinking lager, um, but like really like flavorful. Like it's not like 
it's not thin tasting at all. Like it's got a lot of body to it. Yes. Um, and it's absolutely delicious. Like I could have like five of these right now. That's how a good Hellas should taste. Uh, yeah. That's great. What, is Hellas the like the type? I should probably know this being on, you know, this beer podcast. <laughs> right. Yes. That is, that is the style of beer. Then the actual name of the beer is called the, the Yatter's daughter. Yatter's daughter. It's hard to say. Yatter's. Each yachters. year, thousands of yachters, both young and old, find their way to the beautiful San Juan Islands. Yacht Rock. Yeah. It's the most perhaps, it's, it's perhaps the most refreshing and easiest drinking beer in our lineup. Ooh. How about that? All right. So it's, what was the brewery called? San Juan Island Brewing Company. Nice. Love it. From Washington, Washington State. Washington State. Washington State. Uh, all right, Joe. Well, welcome back to Garage Beers. Uh, Chad, what is your Garage Beer of the Week this uh, week? Hi. Oh. <laughs> hi. Uh, oh, wait, we already did we that. Already did that. Uh, well, guys, my beer comes from Next Level Brews. And this is uh, the final, my final pumpkin ale of the season. It's the Whole Hog Pumpkin oh, Ale. Great. It is, great just, it is just, I mean, it's just delicious. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge pumpkin. Like, I don't like pumpkin pie. I don't like pumpkin spiced lattes. I don't like pumpkin, like anything. Uh, I, but I do oh like God. pumpkin beers. Pumpkin beers like are the only fun part of like Halloween time. Oh, so you just, you don't like happiness and good times. Is that what you're saying? No, I love it. I just don't, I just don't like anything you guys like. Oh <laughs> no! I, but no, I, right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Pumpkin, uh, but no, <laughs> this pumpkin ale is, uh, yeah, it's it's delicious. I don't know. I, I it's a very subtle pumpkin flavor, not overwhelming. I just love it. All right, whole hog, great pumpkin beer, boys. I'm gonna wrap up garage beers of the week. I'm gonna do it with a legend. I'm gonna do it with a legend. There's a beer that came out very recently, Joe. I know it came out very recently. So we went out your, your, your father here. P.S. Well, uh, maybe I'll save this, Uh, but your father here brought back a 12 pack and he said, why don't you go grab a couple for the show? Wow. I said, yes. What a guy. What a freaking guy. What a guy. You are. So boys. Oh, it's it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Why, Why do you, why do you go like, like like four months in advance with the, with the seasonal beers. I don't get it. Oh my gosh! No, it is because now is the get, time because you only get so many months to do it. They only release months. Christmas <laughs> sale for twenty four oh, hours. I was gonna say you don't get so they many months releases. to do it. The, no, not even months. It's twenty four hours. It's a quick run. You get what you get, and then Whatever. it's gone forever. No, so Joe, you overstated that last year, but. No, you only get so much. It's the same thing with the pumpkin beers. You only get so much time to enjoy the pumpkin beers. So when they come out, I'm going to start enjoying them. Same thing with the Oktoberfest. Same thing with the Christmas sale. Same thing with all the rest of the beers. You only get so much time as they rotate through. Listen, So I get them early and I can enjoy them all the way through. Listen, you have a point with the pumpkin ales and the Oktoberfest. But the Christmas ales, uh, hello, we've proven they're available in like February. <laughs> you, 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 they're you, the you best beer. Yeah, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Uh, you know what? They are on my list of my favorite beers, the spiced Christmas ale beers. But it's like snow. It's like snow for me. Snow when it happens in like November and December, even 
in January is like, I don't mind this. It's snow. <laughs> it's good, to see, I love it's good it. to see it back. Holiday time. Everything looks pretty. Oh, snow is back. Yay. And then all of a sudden, February and March rolls around and you're like, fucking snow. I don't want this here anymore. I would like this to go away. Not that I want Christmas sales to go away, but they lose their luster a little bit in February and March. They really, they really are. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't live anywhere that near that like sells Christmas sales or anything like Christmas sales that we get in Cleveland. But like, I could drink those all year round. That's fair. I appreciate you. I just, thanks. This time of the year. Thanks. Is my favorite. <laughs> thanks. It's my favorite. This is when you want them. Thanks. This is when you want them. So anyways, my beer, Great Lakes Christmas Ale, uh, and it's good. It's a good batch. These uh, these cans are delicious. They released them. I love it. So, yes, Great Lakes Christmas Ale is my beer of the week. Uh, let us know what you guys are drinking this week. Let us know for this weekend for the Brown Steelers game. Mm. What are you guys drinking? What are your beers this week? What's on tap? Oh Get my on God. our socials. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, what are you drinking? as the Blue Jackets are off to a torrid start to the season. What's going on there? How about Cavs fans? Cavs playing pretty well right now. Uh, Tell us what your garage beers are. We will go find them. If you have any suggestions for us, we will go find them. We will try them on the podcast. But guys, to you on the podcast, I say cheers. To you, the listener, cheers. And so now we're going to transition right into our next special guest because I just brought up the fact that it's Brown Steelers week. So there aren't many Many people in the Cleveland podcasting slash writing scene that you can talk to about the Cleveland Browns that are more knowledgeable than our next guest. We are super excited. We talked to Jake Burns, and we're going to throw it over to that interview now. All right, boys, we're going to waste no time here, and we're going to get into another incredible special guest here on episode 88 of the Garage Beers podcast. It's This is a, this is a blockbuster episode uh, because now – uh, if you're a Browns fan, you want to get your ears tuned right in uh, because we've got a writer for the OBR, host of the OBR Film Breakdown podcast, uh, a guy who's been on with us before. And if you're on Twitter, you know he's he's one of the best out there at breaking down what the Browns are doing out there on the field on film and then just explaining it to everybody. Jake Burns, back on the Garage Beers pod- podcast. Jake, welcome back to the show. Guys, thanks for having me. Too kind of an intro, too. I don't... I've- Probably should have paid you a couple more bucks there before we started to uh, to keep going, but you didn't. No, no nice worries. Invoices in the mail. Invoices <laughs> in the mail. Uh, uh, that's way to you. That's right. Yep. You know, nothing's free in this world anymore. But yeah. No, thanks, guys. I'm happy. To, happy to be back. It's my privilege for real. Well, listen, we're we're excited to have a little round round table Browns discussion here uh, tonight, and to have you as a part of it, uh, it's going to make it a good time. First question I have for you, though, Jake. Hmm. Uh. I was listening to uh, I was listening to the OBR film breakdown. You took a day off this past weekend. Mm, so, yeah. like, on behalf of all of Cleveland, I would just like to ask, <laughs> how dare you? How dare What's you? The matter yeah. with you? <laughs> I was really uncomfortable. I actually went up to Medina. I have a friend of mine who lives in Medina. Uh, our, our my son and they have two. They have two little ones now, so we try to get them together like once a quarter. And uh, it was like Saturday night, and I was talking, I was talking to Kelby, my wife. I was like, well, you know. I really haven't recorded anything and I don't feel like taking my stuff up to my dinosaur. I'm just going to take the day off. Maybe I'll podcast when we get back. And I forgot how nice it was to not think about football for a minute. So <laughs> I, uh, I was really, really enjoying it. I didn't know what I was getting into when I started doing this every single day of the week. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's an adventure. It's a lot of pressure sometimes because it's like, what the hell am I going to talk about tonight? You know, because uh, it's like, it's also people listening, hearing me say the same thing seven days a week is is probably gets old after a while. So I try to bring on some other people here and there to uh, right. alleviate some of that uh, that the the white noise that my voice turns into. But yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's not as much effort as I thought it was going to take, but it's a lot and. Sometimes you need to uh, to unplug in the mini bye week. Good for the players, but also good for the people covering the team too, man. Huh? So this is what real life is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, for, man. For, that's right. For real, Jake. Glimpse a little, slight glimpse here. During the Brown season, mm-hmm. what is your life like? Uh, well, it's it's busy as hell. I mean, it's like got worse this year. It worse in a good way because busy's good, right? Like, yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, we do Twitch shows. So like Monday or so if you if you go game by day by day, I can walk you through it real quick. I mean, like Sunday, I do the pregame with our, our OBR team. We do a Twitch pregame and then we do a postgame. I try to write something that night to have ready for Monday morning film. I get through a software program gets in there about 6 a.m. So I try to go to bed early, wake up at six, finish writing, get some film included, write that. I have a nine to five, too. So I try to balance the nine to five with the writing. So I do that. And then try to get a second article up on Monday, Tuesday, I do some notes, but there's also Monday night, we do a rewind Twitch show. So I do that, do my own pod, uh, try to write those all 22 scouting notes, things that I do for OBR stuff. So I try to write those uh, on offense and defense over the the next two days. And then there's, you know, seven days a week of podcast. It's a lot, man. It's a hell of a lot. Usually my my beginning of the week, I call it hell. It's just hell. It's just a lot. And there's, there's no stopping it because sometimes you know, like my son is in kindergarten now, not kindergarten, he's in preschool where he goes like eight to 11 in the morning. So he's with me all day working and trying to do the other football stuff. It's a lot. I'm pretty worn down, but you know, it's, it's, it, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it and it it pays pretty well. So, you know, it's gonna, my wife just keeps pressuring me for new hardwood floors. So I just kind of like shy away from her. Like, yes, I will keep doing it. (laughs) You're like a a coach, man. You're like working 21 hours a day, getting three hours of sleep, getting up and just starting over, man. It is. It's, it's, it's certainly, if I was paid hourly, I'd be, I'd be living really handsomely, put it that way, but it's not, it's not an hourly gig. So, uh, you know, it's still key. I like, I, you know, I like it. I enjoy it. The day that I stop, enjoy looking at Brown's football and and breaking down the stuff is the day I probably stopped doing it. But for now it's, it's enjoyable and it's, it's finding balance. I'm trying to find balance. This is the most busy I've been. I've been doing it for, was this year four for Baker year three for Baker. Plus I did 17 when they were yeah. God awful. Um, so <laughs> yeah. this is, yeah, my fourth year trying to do this and it's just kind of escalated in busyness every year. So this will sort of be where my peak is. Like I can't, I can't get more busy than, than this. So it's a lot, but I think, I think people enjoy it for the most part too. So that helps, you know, helps from, a little bit. From eight to 11, your son is educating everybody. All his buddies around him. He's going, listen, when Clowney's down in the three technique and he's on the <laughs> strong side of the defense, <laughs> Well, what's a, like, what's a three technique? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Having said all that, Jake, for mm-hmm. real, thank you for taking the time to come yeah. on with us tonight. My pleasure. Uh, uh, we appreciate your time in the midst of all this craziness. But listen, uh, uh, here's the crazy thing, right? We release our episodes on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So that game happened last Thursday night against the Broncos. We haven't, yeah. I'm sure you've talked about it ad nauseum, and I know you have. But here we haven't been able to talk about it. Well, screw the NFL for Thursday night games, right? Like, come on, man. Oh, we got yeah. we got lives Seriously. and stuff here, people. Jeez. I, it I went to that game. Oh, nice. And then I realized like well, I gotta ask you, like, I'm gonna throw a question at you. How cool yeah. was the intro? Like, was it as great as it looked on TV? So my first note 
Mm-hmm. My first note that I had here was the atmosphere down there. Yeah. That intro, I think it might have been cooler than it looked on TV. Look, Super Bowl was, style intro out there, man. It was, it, it, first of all, the place was wild. Yeah. So they, they did a good job of revving everybody up. Mm-hmm. Everybody was in their seats. Like that place was packed for the intros. And yeah, they turned those lights off. They played some, like some pump up videos. And then all of a sudden, those the crazy lights were going on down by the tunnel. They had fireworks going off. I'm telling you, I was ready to go out there and play one play and get injured <laughs> after those intros. Like my adrenaline was was off the charts. So it was it was really really cool. You ever imagine how funny you'd look in those tight uniforms they wear now? Like like Jamie no, Meter on steroids. Disgusting. <laughs> that, was, that would show all the wrong areas. <laughs> Way wrong area. Yeah. It's like oh, I didn't know my hips did that outside of my pants. Hey, uh, my hips hey, did why, lie to me. My hips CBS, did lie. <laughs> they did why lie. Why is CBS censoring this guy? Yeah. Why is it blurry from the neck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, uh, we can't funny. let people see this. This is disgusting. Uh, no, that that but that was. I'll tell you, I've been to some fun Browns games. Yeah, that atmosphere at that one was like it was. It's it's always my my chief complaint about NFL games. Yeah, and Joe Burrow actually said it this week. Joe Burrow made a comment. He right, he said, "I played in the SEC. NFL NFL stadiums are nothing. Yeah, compared to what we hear in the SEC or mm-hmm. really all over college football, right? Uh, and it's always my complaint. They they, they do so much to like." You get yelled at if you stand up at the wrong time or you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're too loud or cheering, people come tell you to sit down or whatever. Well, it's that's a, a part awesome. of it too. Like not to interrupt you, but that's a part of it too, where like home field advantages are disappearing in spreads. They don't matter the way they used to because right. teams don't, they're not affected by it the way they used to be because partly because teams are building these stadiums that are built more toward TV audiences and looking pretty yep. than actually providing like dog pound like advantages where you're down on the field, essentially like those little things that made stadiums intimidating uh, a, a generation ago before they all started upgrading stadiums are just long gone. So right. the fans are far removed from the field and it just is kind of like, a, you know, there's it, it's easier to play at home. Don't get it twisted, but there used to be like a, a minimum three point spread for road teams. And that's just not the case anymore. And I, and I just, I just, I, I couldn't agree with you more about atmosphere. And now we've had unfortunate atmospheres in Cleveland for a long time, due in large part to the, to the team being so terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just thought it was a really cool thing. They didn't, they didn't tell anybody, you, you know, our guy, Brad Stainbrook has a feel on everything Cleveland does before they do it. He's really Nostradamus with this stuff. And he had no idea that was coming. They kept that a really, really tight secret about that blackout intro deal. And that yes. was really cool. It was really cool. And then they, that video they put put out, I think it was today, right? The, the slow-mo video of them kind of doing it. was really cool. It was really unique. Yeah. And they need to do more of that. They got to try to generate buzz in that sense. So it's cool. That's a shout out. That's a shout out to my buddy, Jeff McDaniel. He was the one carrying the camera in that slow-mo. Video. Oh, very cool, man. Uh, 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 it was one, It's one of my proudest moments of Browns fans because here's the other thing that happened in that game. Uh, in, at least in the lower bowl, I didn't spend a lot of time looking up, but in the lower bowl, mm-hmm. nobody sat down the entire game. That's good. Should be that way. Everybody was up on their feet, even like through the breaks, through timeouts, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. We were on our feet. I never sat down one time watching that game. Seemed loud. Awesome. Yeah, it seemed loud on TV. What about at halftime? Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. You Busted. said no everybody break. got a break at halftime. Okay. Said, all right. No, nobody, nobody sat down at halftime. Everybody went and waited 48 minutes to either get one bottle of water or go to the bathroom. Soggy bratwurst. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, 
quick shout out, quick shout out. Uh, one of the other things. So I'm going to give my buddy Kyle a shout out and I'm going to do this again a little bit later at the end of our episode. But, uh, uh, he took me, he's got season tickets. We sat in his seats. We're, we're like lower bowl, 50 yard line. Crazy. Nice. But he has access to this, this club that's underneath right across from the tunnel yeah. or right across from the locker room. So it was like, all you can eat, all you can drink. You watch the players come in and out. Like that was the craziest experience I have ever had at a Browns game. The food. Yeah. Was, I've seen that. I've just, seen that when traveling up to the press box for a couple, couple games, it was like, they're like little smokes. restaurant seats sitting there. And mm-hmm. yeah, not many people know about that spot, but that, that spot's cool. Like where you, yeah, you're literally right next to players walking in and out, man. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. I got to say hi to a former, former guest of our show, Troy Hill. He, he stopped over and said hi, which was cool. Uh, but yeah, that was really cool. So anyways, it was an insane environment. And then, and to top it off then, right, guys? Mm-hmm. That first drive. Oh, that first drive man. of that yeah. game. Yeah. Immaculate. The peep, the place is going absolutely ballistic. And then here comes, you hit Jarvis Landry on the first play of the game. So that got everybody roaring. And then you go Austin Hooper. And then here comes Dearness just popping off. And Dearness winds up scoring a touchdown. That, that The beginning of that game could not have gone better for the Browns. Yeah, they needed to because it could have been real hostile in there if they had a shit. Are we allowed to cuss on this show if they would have shit, oh, yes. down, the, yes. shit down their yeah. leg like they did against the car? That's what I was thinking to myself. Like, oh, God, they laid like a Titans Raiders-esque egg here at home on a Sunday, <laughs> 1 o'clock. Oh, and then these same <laughs> bastards are going to roll in here three days later, piss off. Uh, and like, if they do it again, it could get real bottle-throwing nasty in that stadium <laughs> if they do it again. So I'm glad they didn't They didn't do it again. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's – and that – what a way to start. Like, it just – it, it, everything worked out. And again, things kind of slowed down for the Browns and, and we can talk about, and, and I'm interested to hear Jake, your perspective on some of this mm-hmm. uh, and you guys as well. But like, it just seemed like it, 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 the other thing was we're sitting behind their sideline. Their sideline was just the entire game. There wasn't people walking around with hands on their hips. Nobody was like disinterested in the game. Everybody was engaged from the fans to the players. And I think that's why you saw it, especially defensively that opening drive all that mm-hmm. uh i mean it just felt like they were just locked in in that game could have gone better sure but they were locked in to get that win sure and that's that's an adversity thing in my opinion and i think it's part of i, I say it all the time i think people don't talk about this enough how the nfl's emo- it's, it's a motivation business and yeah it it like these guys you have to remember that for people that care about the browns typically you played football at some level you stop playing and like you care about it a ton because this is your version of a release on Sunday. Like, but this is a job for these guys, whether you want to know that or not, it's a job. And they're, they're usually, you know, we talk about this. Well, Hey, you know, these are grownups. These are professionals. They don't really care what's no, they do. They care about the things that are said. They care. like going into Pittsburgh and beating them last year was largely a byproduct of nobody believes in us. Arizona. It's the same thing. When they came to Cleveland, we lost our coach. We lost some important pieces. Everybody's doubting us. It's it's just a rallying cry thing, and I think that that's a large part of week to week NFL stuff. Is like trying to kind of trying to pinpoint these trap games where you know 
I think Baltimore was in a perfect trap game situation with Cincinnati where Baltimore is coming off all these emotional victories where they came from behind. And then Cincinnati is treating this as their Super Bowl to go out and prove themselves. And Baltimore is just sort of ho-humming it. And they're not that talented. They're not no team. There are very few teams in the NFL that are talented enough to show up and see game it and win. Like you just can't anymore because I think most teams draft better than they used to. And the talent is it's better spread out than it used to be. So you know, I just think it's motivation based. And when the Browns have all these guys hurt, you know, what are you rallying behind? Well, no one believes in us. We got a lot of guys hurt. No one believes in yours. No one believes in case, you know, and it's, it's a thing, man. It's a thing where, where teams rally behind those underdog scenarios. And I think that's a place where Cleveland's really comfortable. I think there's no denying yeah. the expectations in certain seasons have worn on them. Their, 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 their expectation based performances have not been, very good but when their backs against the wall they seem to really answer the call so that's a place i prefer them to be and you can't because you start winning more and you win more and you win more and you can't help but get the attention and the in the and you become a favored team and all that but i just as a browns observer am more comfortable with them in a they're when they're an underdog because i think they tend to rise up to those occasions in a better fashion that's just my opinion on it no, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think I was texting Mike the other day, uh, Jake, just saying, I hate my Cleveland teams with expectations on them. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's a, I, I think uh, Cleveland teams are a lot better. And I don't know, I, I don't know if this is very logical or not, but it just always seems like a Cleveland team plays a lot better when they can sneak up on people, when their back's yeah. against the wall, when nobody believes in them, you know, yeah. and to, and to piggyback off of everything you just said about, you know, nobody believes in case nobody believes in Dearness, you know, like, Oh boy, you're three and three now. You better not start three and four because yeah. you know you know what will the narrative be then? You got major problems then. You know, are you going to have to go in a different direction than Baker? So yeah, I totally agree that it's an adversity thing uh, where these guys play a whole lot better when their backs are against the wall. Yeah, I mean, eventually we would like to see them flip the script there and be able to play with some expectations. Like you're yeah, going to have to do oh, 100%, that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, but, but where does that happen? Like, where do you guys think? And again, I, that, this is, it's meant to be just a total roundtable. Round table. Where do you think that happens? Because it feels like, Jake, you're right. So far, when the Browns have played with some level of expectation, outside of maybe that week one game against Kansas City where they played yeah. really well, uh, and, and well, even the San Diego game, they but still won. most people thought that week one game was a lot. I mean, we have hindsight, you know, stuff now where we know the chiefs clearly aren't the chiefs that we thought they were, but like everyone kind of thought week one was going to be a loss. Tough to go to KC. Nobody beats Pat Mahomes in September. It's he hasn't thrown an interception in his career in September. Nobody really thought they were going to win. It was definitely still a back against the wall type of game. I, and to, to the crux of your question, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when they get there. I don't know how they get there. It has to. You would think so. People who are non-believers in momentum will tell you that's not a real thing. You know, I I don't know how you can play sports. And maybe it's the people that formulate those opinions or people that don't play. But like, (laughs) if you can't feel the weight of expectations and the weight of expectations are different, right? You can have expectations from outside sources leading up to a game. You can have expectations in game. We're up 28-7. We should keep doing this. The expectation is we'll ride out the clock. Expectations happen in various ways. And if you don't understand momentum, you, you, you don't understand how it feels when things shift. There's just a, there's a thing where things start to shift and you start to feel pressure and teams handle pressure better than others. And I'm a little worried about the pressure aspect with the Cleveland Browns because 
I don't feel like the leader of their team has handled pressure well in his career in any facet. And I like Baker a lot. I think there's still a future with him as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. I think there's places they can go. He's the, there are still things for him to accomplish, but it, it would take blind loyalty to a T or sorry, to a fault. I should say to, to, to just think that Baker handles pressure. Well, he doesn't handle pressure well from a basic standpoint in a pocket and he doesn't handle pressure well when the game is in a, a clinching sort of scenario. So does that mean that he won't be able to handle expectations or, or pressure that come with expectations as the leader of a franchise who has those heavy expectations, you know, week to week or year to year? So I don't know. He's got so much left to prove. But to, to, to my thought process with this, you really are in the NFL these days where your quarterback takes you. You know, you can overcome them in certain scenarios, but you can't go very much past uh you know the 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 where the rules are structured how the game is being played past where your quarterback ceiling is so uh that's that's something they just have to prove i don't know when it happens i don't know how it happens but if you go back and look at some quarterbacks that have found long-term success they've just hit a point where they figured it out and that's what you hope is that you get so many reps mental reps physical reps that you figure it out and the stuff starts to feel like less a burden and you make a couple late drives happen or you make a couple blowouts happen that you should, because we're all waiting for that. Right guys. Like, yeah, they can't blow out the bears. They can't blow like truly blow out the Texans. Right, Texans. Like those are games that you watch the bills win 42 to nothing. Like they, those games should right. not be an issue, but they're lingering and lingering and lingering. Like the bears game into the third quarter was like the bears get that freak pass interference call on John Johnson. It's a 13, 13- 13-3 game at that point. And if they scored right. a touchdown there, it's 13-10. It's a tight game in the third quarter. They end up kicking a field goal like an idiot. But <laughs> but nonetheless, you get where I'm going. Like They should be blowing out teams because they're talented enough to do it, but it's like they just can't navigate what it takes to do that yet. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know when they get there or how they get there, but they need to figure out how to get there because they're talented enough. So, well, Jake, nobody watches. No, not a lot of people watch more film than you outside of like the coaches and, 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 and you know, the people that are paid to do it for the team. So I it, hope not. It, or they it, have no life. That's for yeah. sure. That's well, for sure. So, no, I was going to say that. But no, um, <laughs> no, listen. Why does everything? What do you see on film? Because when I watch the Browns mm-hmm. and then I watch other teams and I was I, I had this question down for later, but whatever it, it feels like there's other teams out there, especially the good teams in the league, that find a way a few times a game to make an easy big play. An easy, you saw it against the Browns. Jesus, the, 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 the Chargers game. They're just launching balls down the field, and you got guys running wide open. You yeah. saw it in the Kansas City game. There's just guys streaking down the middle of the field. You see, you see the really good teams. against. It doesn't have to be against the Browns. Against any team where a few times a game – somebody will catch a ball and there won't be anybody else on the screen. And you'd be like, where the hell is everybody? How'd they get that wide open? (laughs) Why haven't the Browns figured out? Cause it feels like the Browns, everything they do, they are working a million percent for, they are fighting through everything for every yard. Why haven't the Browns figured out like what's keeping them from those big, easier plays? Well, some of it's, this is a a shitty answer, but some of it is luck. Like, okay. Okay perspective changing plays. Um, if you, if you go back and think about the Minnesota game, if they hit Odell on the out and up, it's a touchdown where listen, he beat Harrison Smith by fit by 15 yards. It should have been a touchdown. So there's one, 
they're 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 doing. I would say they're doing things in the passing game that are very simple, and I think they've become borderline easy to cover in the passing game because I have not seen them come seen them come up with many counters to what they like to do. They really like to run levels concepts with high, medium, and low options to sort of half fields, whether it's on a play action or a boot play. There's some of that. Teams obviously are sitting in a little bit and know what they're trying to do and have a feel for Stefanski a year later here. And if you go back to Minnesota two years later, but I don't think Kevin's calling bad games. I do think there are opportunities I mean, hell, the Browns were, if you include cases 0 for 2, I think they completed one the week before. They're like, they're. I know for a fact they have the least catchable uh, throw percentage, and I'm talking targets that are catchable for the wide receivers, not even being caught, but catchable percentage in the NFL and balls 20 yards downfield. So the quarterbacks aren't helping. I mean, it's largely Baker. Case was 0 for 2 last week, but it's it's a problem. They're not They're not giving wide receivers a chance on deep throws a lot of times, you know, and that's... That's another issue in and of itself, but I, I, but I think we do get a little sort of narrowly focused on every. It's it's a it's definitely a, a psychology thing where, you know, you could have ten things go right, but if one thing goes wrong, you always focus on the one thing that goes wrong. Right. They are a really good screen team. They lead the the NFL in success percentage in screen game. They they have not even I don't even think that they've run the most screens, but they have com- gone for the most yards. So they're doing some of those things well. Um, you know, think about Hooper, second play, catch and run up the sideline. That was a pretty simple concept on a little tight end screen. They're, they're doing some things. I know we would like teams to bust coverages like Cleveland did and give up those 72-yard touchdowns. Uh, they're just they're just a little, I would say they're either high-low based passing game or they are, um, you know, the levels concepts off of boot action. And that's what they love to do. Uh, they just have not done many wrinkles off of them. They haven't run any leak concepts. They haven't run any creative cross-field screens. I would say through seven weeks, Kevin has been very, and it could be tied, A, my quarter, quarterback has a jacked-up shoulder, uh, completely, you know, his, his labrum is torn. Uh, that's an element. We're dealing with Jedrick Wills, who's got a, he's still maybe 50% on that ankle. Jack Conklin's in and out of the lineup. We're dealing with Odell just now getting back into the lineup. There's some of that stuff. I will be concerned if weeks eight through 17 are the similar predictable fashion of the the principal concepts of what they do. They're still really good guys. Like they're still in the top 10 of the NFL in offense. They're fine, but it would be nice to see somebody running wide open here and there again. You know, that part would be really cool. I I do enjoy that when your team does put that together. Right. Um, Guys like, like not even 30 (laughs) yards in the, vicinity yeah. of a receiver that'd be cool that, that's cool it's it's a fun thing i've heard i've heard about it i haven't seen yeah. much of it but i've heard about it <laughs> yeah. for those people but uh yeah. yeah i i think that my hope is that the rest of the year they start to do some things where they get to this point where they're seven weeks in they self-scout you get an extended weekend here to go in and say hey typically what happens is a head coach or a play caller on offense will go to his dc and say hey man take two nights look at what we do and tell me how you would prep for us same would happen from the DC to the OC. What would you do? It's called it's just self scouting. What are our yeah. tendencies if we're in the if we're in the forty to forty range? You know, midfield. What do we tend to do on second and eight? You know that stuff. I think they're getting a little schemed up offensively. I think that teams have a good feel for what they're doing, but they're still able to defeat it because the offensive line is so talented, the running backs are so talented, and they're able to do some quirky things in the passing game to create some opportunities. But the pressure is starting to pick up a little bit. You know, you need Kevin to understand some things like, hey, 
you know, quarters coverage. They'll they'll like to take the backside safety and lock them on number three. Like that's what that's what I think the Chargers did a really great job of is they knew how it's not always knowing what coverage they'll be in, but knowing here's how they play quarters. They have the backside safety. If we go three by one, the backside safety locks on to number three. If we block number three, keep him in the backfield, boot out to the right, have a a backside, you know, your X on the backside run a dig in front of the safety's face. He's going to forget all about anything to the left of him, and that's where Mike Williams is running an over-the-top deep over route, and nobody's he's there. Still, he's still out there. He's still, dude. He might still be chilling in the corner. <laughs> yeah, right. At this point, he might have a campfire on the field somewhere out in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch was so open, but like that's that's the part of it that like it's not just knowing. Hey, they're a cover three team in the forty in. They love running cover three. It's how are they teaching it so that we can give them an issue? I know that, hey, we go three by one with tight end inline in a three-point stance, and if we delay release him, they're typically going to haul ass out to the hook curl area, and we can take advantage of a delay drag, like some of that stuff. I do think Kevin's done a nice job. I'm not trying to pick on it. I do think he's been hamstrung by quarterback play that has not been very good. There have been opportunities to complete throws down the field, and there have been some creative options, too. I could pinpoint you to a throw in the second half of the Bears game they actually just came back to that play against the Cardinals where they do that high. They'll, they like to run Felton in and loop him back over the top of the quarterback and call that orbit motion. Yes. And they run that backside dig uh, off of that motion to sell linebackers downhill. Well, they did a really good job of hitting it. But week two, I'm telling you, if, if Baker didn't quickly throw it to Felton in the flat, Higgins has nobody within 10 yards of him. And we, you know, there'd be more examples of this. I do think some of this is like, God, you know, the defense has given us a couple of these busted coverages that really stick in our brain. The offense, it's like, man, some of these first downs can be a challenge to get, but it's it's really not as bad. If I were to go play by play with you, I, I think you would see a little more of what I'm talking about where they're just missing some opportunities, but I don't think you're all the way off on it. They do need to do some some schematic things off of what they already do and, and mix in some of those things to to sort of, beat tendencies and then take advantage of corners who are cheating or safeties. Like take, for example, this play guys, they run, uh, they run that boot back to Odell. You were at the game and you were probably like, Odell hit him with a double move. This is open in the corner of the end zone, but the safety comes from the Justin Simmons is all the way on the other side of the field, hauls ass and cuts it off. They hit a double move. Odell hit a perfect double move off of a boot play. And it was a throw that everyone's like, ah, he should have thrown it deeper, whatever. Well, it's actually that they didn't have a route to hold down the backside safety, so he couldn't get there and undercut that deep throw down the left sideline. They need to have some wrinkles off of that. If you're going to do that, then send a tight end on a leak out the other way to A, hold him down, and if he doesn't hold him down, the quarterback can flip his hips and throw it back to him on the other side of the field. So just little things like that. I'm a guy behind a computer. Kevin's paid millions of dollars to coach the team. He knows what he's talking about. I'm a dumbass, but like, I just think that there are some things – that, so the, the OBR is paying millions, right? Well, if you divide it by a million, yes. So oh, God, they're, God, they're God. like, they're like, I just think that I think every now and of again, dollars. yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just come up with some things off of that stuff. And I think they can, they did it last year. They they'll, they'll do it again this year. I have no doubt about it. They'll find open throws just about connecting. You got to connect on them too. You know, that, that's a part of it that people miss or, you know, there's a couple throws here and there where the guard maybe gets beat just a little bit, you know, and it, it, it throws the quarterback off of the, the rhythm to make the throw or Baker doesn't like the pressure that's sort of bottling down on him and he misses it. Uh, like, you know, the fourth down. Uh, okay. Go back to the, to the, to the chargers game. I'm getting long winded here, but go back to the chargers <laughs> game. Okay. 
they they run the ball on on uh, here's the big debate they run the ball in first they got to get two first downs to win the game right they got to get two they run on first down they throw it on second down he had higgins up the seam wide open i mean it wasn't like naked wide open but if he just put some air under it he can run under it it's got his guys beat odell's on a, a little china square in route could have thrown it didn't throw it so like there are guys open we're just not connecting on them the way they need to be connected on and that's why everything starts to feel magnetized right it's easy to complain and i'm not saying you're complaining this is generally like the stuff i see uh, people giving stefanski you know hell for he can't he can only lead you to water you know you got to go there and actually drink the damn water that he's putting out there for you so so there's a mesh point there and i, I talked about it with doug Lamarie last night about like how we blame coordinators sometimes when they really shouldn't be blamed for everything that goes wrong you know they're the ones that get held accountable because that's just the nature of the business we're in here but you know players have to they're paid millions you got to be able to throw out and up touchdowns when they're wide open in front of you so there's just little stuff like that that's got to get rectified you know you mentioned it a bunch <laughs> now jake you know you, you you earlier you said baker still has a lot to prove uh mm-hmm. and you you touched on it a bunch like i said in these last two responses so I, it just got me curious, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned crunch time, you know, you mentioned that he, he doesn't do well under pressure. I mean, I feel like those are two pretty obvious things uh, right now that Baker does need to improve on. What, what other things like do you see? I mean, like, uh, uh, those type of like more intimate detail type things that you see he has to improve on. Is there something that like the typical fan is missing that he needs to improve? What does he need to improve on to convince you and everybody else that, I don't know, I guess he could be the guy or he could lead this team to where it wants to go. Well, what Baker has done, what Baker did well to start, this, that's, a, that's a tough question. So what Baker did well to start his career in 2018 is he didn't play well uh, all too consistently in rhythm, right? Like, which is understandable as a rookie. You know, when you get to the top of your drop, do you have your eyes in the right spot? Do you deliver the football with accuracy? That is something that I think Baker struggled with a little bit. But what you liked was some of the stuff that he did at Oklahoma, which was getting out of the pocket. When a play breaks down, when you're out of what's called out of rhythm, whether that out of rhythm is you running or it's you, you hit the top of your drop, you can't go to your first read, you come back to your second read, whatever. He had 12 big-time throws out of rhythm. And that was like, hell yeah, man. That's a guy who, when things yeah. break down, can make a play. Love that. He'll get better in rhythm as he gets familiar with the offensive system he's in, as he gets the game starts to slow down for him. I felt so good about it. I was like, this dude is going to be a – he's got a real chance here. Think about – the Falcons game in 18, where he rolled right, hit Higgins on a 40 yard touchdown. The Carolina yes. game, he rolls left, hits, hits Jarvis in the corner, left corner of the end zone on a weird little fading 55 yard bomb. <laughs> yeah. Like, you were yeah, like, right? you're like, holy shit, this is what you want in modern football. A quarterback who can use his legs to extend plays, still throw the football downfield with accuracy. A lot of examples of that. Then 2019 on, he's thrown five big time throws out of structure since then. And it's like, what happened? He's he. Yes. Refu- it's like it's like 2019. He continued to do some of the things where he got out of pockets, and then he was told, "Hey, man, don't get out of pockets. Sit in there, do what you're supposed to do." And and then he's like overcorrected, and he has not come back around on knowing when is the right time to get out of the pocket, when is the wrong time, when should I? He hasn't found that middle ground yet. And now, what made him really good, guys, in 27 or sorry, last year from week seven to 17 yes. into the playoffs was that he found 
he found the success in rhythm, which is exactly what you want as a quarterback hits the third and fourth year of his rookie deal. He gets in the right system. He starts to process things happening pre-snap to post-snap. That's what you found. He was like the third highest graded quarterback in week seven to 17, largely because of he understood the system. He understood where the ball needed to be and he was delivering it accurately, which again, if you're looking at it, I would rather have the guy who's a good rhythm quarterback and make all the plays and then maybe he comes back around full circle and he does some of that stuff with 2018's out of structure stuff. Maybe he can bring that out because largely out of structure success is unpredictable because it's it's just not year to year perfect because when you get out of the pocket on any one play, it's hard to ever replicate that scenario. Guys could be running right. a different route than they were that time you did it for this, that, or the other. Or a defense has got a guy in the spot that he wasn't in when they did it. It's hard, but what you want is your quarterback to be in rhythm sharp because that is sustainable year to year. Hit the top of my five to three, five, seven step drops and the ball's out. It's accurate. It's where it needs to be. That helps your line play better. Your wide receivers expect the ball to be out at a certain time. All of it makes sense. And that's why we were all really like, hell yeah, we're pumped up. This is going where it's supposed to go. And then this year, and again, I don't know if it's the shoulder guys. It could be, it should be, it's a part of it, but the eyes have not been as sharp pre-snap to post-snap and he has seen things unfolding and he is just not throwing it. I don't know why it could be tied to, I don't trust my body to deliver this football on a rope 20 yards downfield. It, it, whatever the reasoning is, is only something Baker knows. He's not seeing it, throwing it the way he was last year, which has made me nervous. Uh, again, it's made me nervous because I've seen, I've watched so many Baker snaps. If his game goes right or if his game goes wrong, I pretty much know how it's going to happen. I just have a feel for it. If he yeah. grades out in the seventies, I know why it happened. So The thing then becomes if Baker's not making the rhythm throws, the throws that are schemed up, which he does well because he has a great arm and he's got that pocket, that that bootleg mobility, all that stuff you like about him fitting in the system. If he's not making those layups, what's he doing well? Because he's not making plays out of structure. It just hasn't returned. And I don't know if it ever will. He thinks he's a better athlete than what he is. And he's a great athlete by normal standards. But he ain't an NFL great athlete, but he thinks he is. And he does a little too much with his legs here and there. So, like, the thing with Baker is if he's not playing well in rhythm and he's not playing well out of rhythm, you then get this product that we have seen, which is a low 70s to high 60s graded quarterback with two games below 65, sorry, below 55 in his grade book this year. And it's like, what is the route to success with him? Because he is, he's very much a lack of tempo quarterback. He he pretty much throws the damn ball on a rope. Like he, he doesn't have tempo throws. Like he doesn't have touch throws. Like think about Keenum's throw. And I'm not saying Keenum's better than him. I'm not, I'm just talking about throw types. Like that little, that little drag Keen, uh, that, that uh, David and Joku ran where Keenum kind of took it and lofted it over. If you go back to Baker's debut, he did that. He actually stepped up in the pocket and Jamal Adams still playing for the jets at that point takes a step toward him and he puts a pretty go back and watch it. It's different guys. I'm telling you it's different. This perfectly little lobbed ball over the top on, on a, on a crosser. It, I I've been trying to solve it, man. I really have. And I've went back and watched highlight throws of that year. So he just isn't throwing a wide variety of throws. He's not throwing. Think back again to that jets game where that ball he throws to Jarvis up the right hash where Jarvis almost catches the ball off the dude's helmet Think about it, guys. How many times have you seen him throw those throws? If it's not a back shoulder throw on the sideline, 
He's not throwing people open right now. So I think it's a mixture of he's not seeing the field well. He doesn't trust his body because the shoulder is giving him fits on accuracy. And he's forming some bad habits. And I just think that that's why I'm nervous about this weekend and going forward is like these habits that he's forming, which are the mental habits too of, I got this corner route. I got a bench route here, uh, 5, 10 to 15 uh, on the left sideline. It's, it's cover two. I can make this throw, but man, I don't know if I can make this throw because I don't trust it. I don't know if I can get the torque on it. I normally do. I'm worried about the habits. Where well, that, are that, the habits a- going, right? Because you can play through this and you can be a tough guy and I'm all about it, man. I'm cool. Like, that's great. But are you forming bad mental processes and bad habits because of the shoulder that linger into the next few years of your career? That's what I was just going to say. And I feel like it's that mental thing. Listen, the bad shoulder. I do. I think that plays a part. I think it plays a part in a lot of what he's doing. I think it sucks to get hit right now. If you're Baker Mayfield, yeah, it does. He's no doing doubt. everything he can to not get hit in the backfield, which is why you see him doing some things that make him feel like he is just panicking back there. Because, but also he doesn't. Torque. He doesn't know how to not do that because he's then kind of floating out of the pocket and opening right. himself up to hits. Like he doesn't know how to do that, right? I think what you've seen though, like uh, the 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 back half of last year, he was really good. But like you said, it was different. It's it's like he's and this is what I've said. It's like he's kind of lost the swagger that made him Baker Mayfield. Yeah, right. And it's not to say he's lost it like it's gone, gone, like it's not coming back. But like. Part of the reason everybody fell in love with Baker Mayfield is because he was, don't, this is so overgeneralizing, but he was a little Brett Farvish in like, he's just going to sit back there and make some crazy throws. And sometimes it's not going to work, but sometimes it is. And it's fireworks worthy. And like you said, he's, he's throwing at the back of guys' helmets and his guys are making plays for him. And you've got the team that will make plays for you. Yeah. Uh, And, and it's like, it's fine to make some turnover worthy throws. If you're making the big time throws too. Is yes. what you're saying. I can handle a couple interceptional worthy throws if you're making four big time throws in a game because you're you're throwing into keyholes. That's like he's not doing that. And I don't know if he was overcoached yeah. last year. Not overcoached, but like preached to hey man, stop turning the ball over. 2019 was a disaster because he threw 21 interceptions. You only he only threw eight last year, right? Like right. was has he been coached so hard on take care of the ball, take care of the ball, take care of the ball that he is now unwilling to make those types of throws because he's worried about turning the football over. I do think there is yeah. some of that. And it's some of it. And when that happens, it changes your nature as a quarterback. And I don't like where it's headed for him because I just think he's so worried about interception numbers that he's not playing the style of football that I think made him really good to start. And then he's trying to find it again. How do I get back to that? I want to be that guy. And then you see some silly throws and it's like, Chad, pressure like, jumps on you, you know, Chad, I know it's probably super corny, but uh, you, uh, for me, like, I feel like we don't see that Baker Mayfield made it famous. I woke up feeling dangerous, right? He made that famous. Where is that guy? Yeah. Where is that dude? <sighs> It would be it, it. It would it would be. He feels the pressure, right? Like, I, I, yeah. I mean, every quarterback is. It'd be it'd be silly to sit here and think if hey, if I play well, I can make you know two hundred fifty million dollar contract here. Like that that is always going to be in your mind. You know, I think that's a thing. But I think Baker's very hyper aware of what everyone around him says since the day he's been at Oklahoma. 
he hears, he sees, he, he should never, you know, there are things just about him that, you know, I don't love, <laughs> I mean, like you know, there's just little things and, and this is cool. Some people like it. And if you like it, great, cool, man. We don't all have to see the world the same way, but right. you know, like going into to press conferences and quoting rap lyrics, like, you know, is that like, I don't see anyone else do that. Like does does Tom Brady do that? You know, like I just, I, cool. But that if you're going to be that dude, then be that dude, like do it all the time. Right. Like, don't be if like, don't go like media dark because, you know, you, you, you think that's what everybody wants you to do. Like be who you are. I feel like he's like, he's set this tone of trying to change and I'm not going to pay attention to the Colin Cowherds of the world, the people talking about me, but he always kind of is. And he's, he's been trying to change himself because that's what other people want. And it's like, Hey man, if you're going to be the cornball version, then be the cornball version. That's cool. That's fine. Whatever you're comfortable with. I just think like, if I had to track it to a psychological thing, I think Baker's trying to be what a lot of people want him to be. And I think that's not just fans or analysts, but that's coaches saying certain things to him, like, Hey man, preaching the turnoverless, turnoverless football. And that's cool. Every coach wants you to play turnoverless football, but he's, I just feel like he's conformed a little bit. You know, I think he's conformed to a lot of different things. Yes. And yes, you know, I'm just, just me personally, I think it's kind of cringeworthy. Some of the stuff, like, even though I, I woke up dangerous is cringeworthy to me, but what again, cool, dude, you can, you guys can feel like, however you want. It's just me. I just don't, I don't love it. Like but the, it's, it's not about the quote for me. It's about like it's the him. attitude of like, it's cool. Yeah, you're right. Whatever makes him comfortable. Don't give a fuck kind of yeah. guy. Cool. And that's, but that's kind of how he was playing. Like, yeah. I'm I agree going out there and doing my thing. That's how I want to see him play. So if, he, if that comes with those comments, we're in like a 1980s trench coat to his press conference. Yeah. But I know. said, I said it to these guys. I feel, I feel like Baker's, I said it to these guys. I feel like Baker's turned a little bit into the wild. Uh, he's uh, like uh, Rick Major Vaughn in major league two, two. Yeah. Yes, he's, <laughs> he's got like the clean haircut Yeah, and he's not like, he's not like Emily does, Mayfield does. does, does now. She does look like the woman in, in, uh, Major League no, Two. She seems cool. Baker's. <laughs> this isn't. This isn't like a pick on Baker session. But it's like, does Baker have some Texas Tech? Thing. Does he have some Texas Tech sweetheart that's not very pretty, but kind of helps <laughs> take care of like children's services on the side and all that stuff? Does he yes, have that? Does I he does he have that somewhere out there? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Uh, He's a good actor, but you know, I think there is something to that. Is Baker trying to conform the way he acts, conform the way he plays to fit what other people think? Guys like me don't mean shit. My opinion doesn't mean anything. I, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield has to be comfortable in his own skin, and that means you do whatever you need to do to get your mind right and have your mind match your play. So, yeah, I think we're on to something here, but we don't, you know, we don't know. We're just, uh, we're just guys on a podcast. It's him that needs to figure that stuff out. And that's, he's still, he's 26. He's, he's 26, man. Like, you know, I mean, we've all made mistakes in our life, our younger lives that we would love to have back. And it's a lot, think about the cities, the pressure of an entire city in your face, right? Like it at that age, it's a lot. It can, can, it's a lot. And you're so young. You don't even know who you are, you know, as a person. So. <laughs> I hope he does. We've been nice. We've been nice and fair. I no, think, but, but, but that's the, the <laughs> reason we talk about it. Like, I feel like the reason we talk about it, I, I, we all want Baker to be good. And I like Baker. I still believe in Baker because I see the talent and, yeah. and Jake, you do the same thing. 
You see the talent on the film. You know he can be good. There's just, it seems like there's some 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 things in his way that just got to get out of the way. Yeah. And he just needs to maybe clear his mind a little bit and just go be good. But anyways, yeah. it's not... It's not meant to be a big baker. That's the moral of the story. Hey, do discussion. We solved it. Hey, bastard, go be good. Just go be good. Go be good. How hard is it, dude? Was Come it? on, man. Hey. Yeah. Hey, I got. Hold on. Uh, I got one for you. Go be good. How's that sound? Go be good. Hey, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is. Uh, there, uh, I uh, a good I question to say too. But the, uh, uh, is and uh, congratulations. Could the second contract be be in, in the back do of the mind. Yeah, do better. Do better. Not something I think that is could the be. goal here. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move real quick. Let's move on to this week against the Steelers. Right. Uh, looks like we're going to get some of these players back. Baker's taking. Baker's taking uh, first down snaps or first team snaps in practice. Uh, Nick Chubb. Coming back. Who else is coming back this week? I can't even remember. I don't, the injury list is still long. I think they're going to bring some, you know, like Conklin's going to play, it looks like. Good. Chubb's trying to play. Sounds like Greg Newsom's kind of finally right, completely right. Um, that's probably the big names. Um, Clowney didn't practice. I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Clowney didn't practice, but I think he still trends toward playing. But, yeah, getting Conklin back and getting Nick back is an immensely helpful thing for them. You know, JOK is the missing – missing one but he's still a little ways off so right he's a couple weeks out but so here come you know now you're playing the Steelers it's that week it's Steelers week uh and for me the three and three they've shown that in one game they can beat anybody right they go into Buffalo week one and they beat them Mm -hmm. but at the same time like this is not a great team the Steelers team is not a great team uh so I don't know uh, how are we feeling? How, how's everybody feeling going into this this week against the Steelers? Well, I mean, they are vulnerable. Um, they're they're vulnerable in several areas. They don't defend the run very well. They don't. Their safety play has been pretty terrible. Minka Fitzpatrick's grading terrible. Not that he's not a good player. He's just not playing well per se. Um, yeah, I, they're vulnerable defensively, but you got to stay out of third and longs because if you let Cam Hayward and you let TJ Watt pin the ears back and blitz uh, without a fear of a run game, you start to run into some issues there. Uh, offensively, God, they're weird. They don't score many points, and <laughs> yeah. they're just weird, man. They play a uniquely <laughs> weird, weird style. Of t- they, they'll chuck it up the sidelines and hope for flags and – and they'll uh they've just been off. Like Ben has not been connecting on many deep throws. He's not been consistent. The offensive line has been pretty bad for them. So uh I don't I don't have high expectations for Pittsburgh playing that well, but you know, it's any given Sunday. Maybe Ben finds his 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 throwing <laughs> yeah. uh, mojo again and can place the ball where guys can go get it. But they haven't been playing well and they're ripe to be beat, in my opinion. They have not really beat anybody that matters. I don't think beating Geno Smith matters all too much. And I, I just I just think that uh I still think they're very good. This is the type of team that should go six and eleven this year and, and Cleveland should be able to handle them. But again, situationally, can you keep at the Browns are top five in penalties this year, which is a surprise. That's a step back from last year. Can you stay out of Stay out of penalties that give Pittsburgh listen, free plays that drives down the field or three listen, penalties listen, save a listen, drive. Listen, Baker you know, comes out with a right guard commercial. Game, I'm going to be it's really be worried. Something like 27, 21, something like that. <laughs> so you got to yeah. take advantage of every opportunity you can get. 
They you have Najee Harris, but I don't feel like they run the football well enough that I should be sitting here concerned about it. And the Browns' run defense has been pretty good. Yes. So you just hope that they show up and play well. They're they're the better football team here. I don't think that's even debatable. But how do they handle that? How do they come out and play when Baker's still beat up and, and they're still trying to figure out their rhythm offensively? Jarvis is a name you should have mentioned a minute ago. He didn't practice. He's dealing with a knee again. I don't know if he'll play. We'll see. But yeah, I just I it, the Browns have been so inconsistent. It's such a toss up. I, I don't I don't really know. I feel like they should be like four and a half, five point favorites. But, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's coming off a of bye week, too. So that helps them in, in that regard. I gave you no answer here, but I, I just well, the moral of my story. Yeah, the moral of my story is to this Cleveland's podcast better, and this podcast but only. Do they show so up he is in going this to type of atmosphere of and, and play the way they're capable <laughs> no, of playing? That's the week to week thing because these next four games know, define their season. I know, I know. And I think they are they should win all four of these games, but you know, it's 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 a weird season so far, guys. Oh yeah. Like, are you like you have, you have, why don't you just go be good? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're up and down. Man. Oh, they're God. very up and down. Well, We've well, seen now that you four said that, games where they played be below average football <laughs> like, to bad and three where I think they've been pretty damn good. So, um, you know, it's funny because people are talking about, well, how do you beat Patrick Mahomes? Well, you, you, you get pressure the with the front good, one, you drop like, seven just, in coverage yeah. and you make him throw nickel and dime down the field. And I'm like, what does Joe Woods love to do? Like, that's the thing they've been trying to do. Uh, but, like, I think I think what the Browns do from a scheme perspective is fine. People want like, – the, the answer everyone thinks is, is like, is, is, is always there's like, blitz more. Well, that doesn't solve your problems in the NFL. Go look at Baltimore, who plays a very dangerous coverage scheme where they do challenge you. They'll get down in your face – with no fear, play cover one, play cover zero. And they've given up like four, 400 yard passing games this year. Right. People would be raging if the Browns given up that many passing yards in four games this year. I get it. It's more fun. It's more daring. It makes for better games in terms of like watching, but what they do is try to keep you boxed in, make you make 12, like the Denver Broncos went on 17, 13 play drive in the second half but they held them to 223 yards. They're doing the right things. They can't bust coverage. This, this defense is predicated on not busting coverages. You absolutely flat out positively can't do it. If you're only going to blitz right. seven to 10 times a game, you can't have guys running wide open, which we have seen far too often. If they can get back and continue to stay on the right trend with these coverage busts and keep them people in front of them, I do think they're running what is best. Now, I get frustrated too, you know, in the, in, in the Denver game, it's, it's third and goal and they, and they're called the perfect cover two. it's called red two in the red zone. Denzel Ward is right where he's supposed to be and just doesn't tackle Melvin Gordon. He scores a touchdown on third and goal. Like it's frustrating, you know, or, or they, they're in second and 10 or second and nine 
and you're running cover three and Ronnie Harrison's supposed to step up and take the flat. Every indicator he's getting that the ball is going to the flat. Quarterback's shoulders pointed that way. The hands are off the football. He's separating and he's not reacting. <laughs> and then it becomes third and one, right? Or a first down on a second and long. You can't let that happen. You really can't. So like, they're just not always reacting quick enough, in my opinion, to some things that unfold right in front of them. Uh, and I think that they're they're missing coverages here and there too, and that's why it's leading to some bigger plays. At the crux of the scheme, I think it's fine. I think it's very modern NFL. I think it's totally fine for what they're doing with the, what they're trying to tie together the coverage and uh, the 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 pressure up front. And the guys are getting good pressure up front. It's just you cannot have slow reactions to plays when you're trying to funnel things in certain spots of the field to eliminate those explosives come up, react, and make a tackle. I just think that, that some of that stuff has not been as crisp as you would like, but I have real confidence that over the next four, uh, the next, sorry, what are they, how many games do they have left? They played six, so they have, what, 11 games? That it's going to be fine. The defense is going to be fine. I'm just telling you, if you're expecting them to go blitz crazy and you're expecting them to play a bunch of man cover, like they're not going to do that. They're going to sprinkle it in maybe 10 to 12 times a game, but they're not going to go crazy from some of those things. So, uh, I, I, I'm probably minority. I really don't have a huge problem with Joe Woods. I think he could get more creative more often. And uh, creativity doesn't mean blitzing. I think he could get more creative in coverage, but they've done yes. some things here and there. I do think it has been a player problem for, for portions of the season that people don't always want to admit that the players have, have really botched some coverages. So uh, if, if you can kind of settle those things down, I think you're looking at a pretty good defense, guys, and, and a defense that you can win a lot of games with, although it might not be your favorite. Uh, and and it just think back to like I just remember before the for the LA game, I was thinking to myself they don't they don't give up long touchdowns they really don't and they hadn't other than the the, the Tyreek Hill uh, blunder there right. from from John Johnson where he just kind of overran it but they hadn't busted coverages now they've been on a streak what? here uh, between the Cardinals game and the, there were you know they didn't really bust coverages and really many other there was one in the Vikings game where nobody saw it uh, they ran up the hash and. Kirk Cousins was looking the opposite direction, but two guys chased the wrong guy, and there was uh, KJ Osborne was running wide open up the hash. But the the, the defense is fine if you can you know, eliminate you said you're one of the worst. But if you give up explosives uh, because your coverage is sound, or you you got a miscommunication uh, on the back field half, on third down, like you can't uh, run Jake, that so I, you, know, you just can't. I was, so that's um, I guess I kind of wanted to I touch on that before I got question. I do I do like I like the scheme, but they need to be more consistent with Joe Woods's and they need to play faster with him. Mike and I have talked about. I think you made a lot of points that Chad and I have talked about. Little soft zone. It seems like that that they're playing that or. I don't know. It, front, it seems like they don't run the scheme very well. And there's, there's too much talent guys on this defense about blitzing. Uh, it's about, to, for me, to, it's about like, to, 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 yes, 100%. I don't know, to not be, to, to not be as good. <laughs> to not be good. Far too well, like, what, what do you make of this defense so far this year? Where you find them, for me personally, to give these front four a chance to get to the quarterback, every once in a while, you got to tighten up a little bit. And like, make the quarterback have to think a second before he just takes three steps and throws the football. Well, that's a little bit of what I'm saying is you want him to throw that ball to the flat, but if your defense is calling for cover three where you have either a backer (laughs) or a safety coming downhill into the curl flat, don't be late reacting. You have to react to that shit and get out there and cover it because that's what you want, but it can't, it's the difference between a third and seven and a third and one or a fourth or or a first down. Like you cannot, you cannot do that stuff. So if you're going to funnel things to certain portions of the field, then react. 
step up, react, and get where you're supposed to go. So, again, it's still first third of the season. I still think they're going to get better within it. They were fitting and juggling a lot of different pieces. Season's still early. Think about all the narratives that change, guys, from week eight to week 17 last year. There's a lot of football to be played. I think the groundwork is in a good spot. I have seen my, I break it down the chalk talk stuff with John Stephenson, who's a very smart guy, knows defense better than anyone I've come across at the local level. And there are some encouraging signs. I don't know that he's ever going to be a, like a football savant, Joe Woods, that the rest of the NFL looks at and is like, man, look at all these creative things Joe's doing. I don't think that's going to happen, but he's doing enough that I think that they should either this year or next year, it'll start to really click. And I think there'll be a pretty consistent group and they are top half of the NFL right now, which is what I thought they would, that, that I thought they would be. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, let's Jake, we're going to let you get some sleep here at some point, if that's what <laughs> you're doing, but let's finish this on a, on a good note, right? This is a Browns team that like this team would make the playoffs. If the season ended today, like for all the ups and downs and the bull, the bullshit that's gone on yeah. and the complaining and the losing the games, you are that awful br- busted play against Kansas City away from really putting them away in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a phantom uh, 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 pass interference penalty away on fourth and long. The, the, ugh, I, I hate talking about the refs, but that's the worst call. One of the worst calls I've ever yeah. seen in my whole life. Yeah, it's bad. Away from putting the Chargers away in that game. I mean, these your, your Arizona loss was terrible. Terrible. But you're going to have bad games now and then. But you are literally a couple plays away from being, instead of being four and three, uh, being six and one. Uh, and so this team is playing, I think, better than maybe what some people think. But there's there's a ton of, I think what should get everybody excited, guys, there's a lot of room for improvement on this team. You got you to gotta figure out a way. You got to figure out a way to get more out of your wide receivers. You have to figure out a way to get more out of a guy like Odell Beckham, whether that's creatively getting him involved, not forcing him the ball, but getting him involved. Your, your quarterback play has to be better. Your communication on defense have to be, has to be better. Your, your punter has to be better. He was mm. last game, mm. but your punter has to be better. Uh, so there's a lot of room for improvement. We're still talking about a playoff team here. Like, I think there's a lot of upside. And I think this stretch yeah. of games, these next four games, there's a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. Yeah, it's the right kind of quarterbacks they play well against. They don't, they don't, you know, no team really plays well against mobile yeah. quarterbacks. They're tough as hell to defend, but they play four statue, statue based quarterbacks. Joe can run a little bit, but he's not running designed runs. He's really not running all too much. Like it's not a part of who he is. He'll do it here and there, but these are quarterbacks they should be able to handle in terms of that added element. Um, we talked about uh, no matter how many people were out in the Broncos game, no matter how many things are stacked against you, find a way to win. And they did. And they did. And kudos to them. And everything you said there is, is spot on about, about how <laughs> they could be six and one. Uh, they, they are still a good football team here. And, and they, but there's tons of room to improve. We've gone through a lot of those ways in which they approve, uh, improve, sorry. And, They'll continue. I think that there's no reason they don't get better. If the injury luck can start to shift a little bit, right? Because if you can work yourself through a a reminder, everybody thought the schedule wasn't going to be brutal at the beginning of the year. It's, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge now that they're in the thick of it. So if you can, if you can find a way to get a playoff ticket, right? Just punch a ticket. You never know what happens if you get in the playoffs, you can find a way to go, you know, 10 and seven 
work your way through the muck of terrible schedule luck and terrible injury luck. That tells me a lot. Tells me a lot about your football character. It tells me a lot about your leadership in the locker room, your leadership in the coaching staff, if you can find a way. So these next four games, I've been preaching it nonstop. They really dictate where your season goes because you need to get to seven and four when you hit the Baltimore two-game run. You have to because after the Baltimore two-game run, which includes your bye week in the middle, you have Raiders, you have Packers, you have, uh, I think you get Cincy again, you get Pittsburgh again too. So like there are some challenging games on the back half of that schedule. So you need to go three and one over these next four However you do it, I don't care if you win games five to four. I don't care. Just find a way, find <laughs> a way to get games. there, you know? So <laughs> correct. Eventually someday down the road, when they get really good, you'd like to get some style points. I've heard they're fun. Uh, I don't know. I've just seen other people with the style that they wear. I don't, I don't, I don't see that all the time in Cleveland, but yeah, you're right. Do whatever you, whatever it takes to get these wins. Um, you know, you, you, you have it. I have your real chance to go four and zero here and change the course of your season completely, but three and one is the goal seven and four by the time you get to Baltimore and it starts with a win at home. You got to win at home, got to win division games at home. And you got to get the first one here before the real challenge on the road in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I think that's I think it's such a goal. This next two games, I think it's such a cool stretch. Right. Again, you talked about motivation. Pittsburgh's got plenty of motivation coming into this game uh, because of all the shit that's been talked after the last two games of last year and what Cleveland finally was able to pull against Pittsburgh. But Cleveland's still the better team. But you talk about the way a schedule can just develop in front of you. Yeah. Nobody picked the Cincinnati Bengals to do what they're doing right now. It's just so funny. A, it's so funny. Beginning of the year, team. Everyone's like, well, this team has the third easy. What? Like what? Yeah, you don't know. Let's see how it shakes out, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Like the third? E- it just is so laughable to me because people never also want to admit that the, the success of NFL seasons is so largely luck driven, you know, with the injuries that are so, prevalent in today's mm-hmm. football like if you just don't know where injuries are going to shake out and that dictates schedule strength i mean look at the t- the game tomorrow night where you have you know you have Devonte adams and you have uh, i think lazard is made like those are huge part you know and you didn't right can't right. expect that so it's like it's just weird yeah yeah so the clowny signing worked out pretty well um uh, he's been a beast, by the way. He's been a flat-out player, dude. Flat-out yeah. player. So, all right, I got to run and get to bed at some point, yes. you bastards. You keep holding me here hostage. I can't leave this box. You got me stuck in in the corner here. No, no, no. Yeah, and I'm sorry. We've hardly even let you talk at all. So, yeah, yeah no. no, you're completely right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll be here until midnight. Eric Metcalf. <laughs> uh, all right, Jake, man. Jake Burns from the OBR. Go follow him on Twitter. Go check out what he writes for the OBR and check out the OBR film breakdown as well. And as well as like everything he does seven days a week, Jake, thank you so much for joining us here on the garage beers podcast. We'll talk to you again down the line. Guys, my, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. Once again, a huge thank you to our second special guest of the podcast, Jake Burns, Jake from the OBR just does all kinds of great work. Uh, and you heard it there. Like just the knowledge that he dropped. It was great to listen to him. Thank you, Jake, for taking the time during the season to join us once again. So boys, before we get out of here, before we get to our three cheers of the week, Chad, you hinted at this earlier in the podcast. It's Halloween weekend, which means it's prime 
scary, spooky movie weekend. Uh huh. So, Chad, you said you had something to tell us about a terrible, scary movie. Well, I would like to hear about it. <coughs> well, excuse me, uh, guys. You know, last last Halloween, I believe we talked about the so like the the really shitty, scary, but like funny at like oh, just shitty. Say hey, oh monster! He said shitty monster. Uh, right, yeah, and that was just and thanks kill it and thanks killing. You know, you just got stuffed. Uh, that type <laughs> of stuff. Well, uh, I figured since it was close to Halloween, uh, you know, this is our last episode before Halloween. I figured I would uh, do some research and uh, try to find a shitty, scary movie I could I could I could bring to the table for you all tonight, and I did just that. Guys, have you ever heard of the Ginger Dead Man? Oh, uh, yes, no. but I don't remember it. So, a criminal, uh, a murderer, actually, uh, he he gets he, he gets the electric chair. Right, he killed two people in the diner. He gets the electric chair, and his psycho ass mother mixes his ashes into like a, a, a gingerbread dough. And he leaves it at the bakery of the woman who sent her son to the, who sent her her kid to the to the electric chair, right? So then she's like, well, you know, because fuck it, why not? Uh, she bakes the dough, but get oh, no, but, but gets blood in the mix, no, and no, and surges, you know, and, and surges like electricity into the oven, creating like this haunted biscuit called the Ginger Dead Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a knife and he's a knife and gun wielding maniac man and he's just he, he sets out on his journey to kill the woman who sent him to the chair oh and here here's the kicker are you ready for this shit i don't even think you're what ready you, i don't what even an uncreative superpower for a like walking gingerbread man <laughs> has guns and knives I, like. I, I don't think you're ready for this shit not my gumdrop buttons no 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 i, I don't think you guys are ready for this shit all right. Here's the kicker. I don't think we are either. Gary fucking Busey plays the ginger dead man. <laughs> oh my oh god! My god. <laughs> oh no! God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. You mean you mean the same Gary Busey that was uh, the rocket from Rookie of the Year? Oh, a hundred percent. Yep. Uh huh. Chet Stedman. You have to deal from <laughs> Chet Stedman. You have to deal from the have to, dude. dude. You know the have to, <laughs> dude. And this and this spawned uh, sequels. Uh, I don't know if you're ready for this. There's Ginger Dead Man Two: Passion of the Crust. No. No. Passion of the Crust. There's there's Ginger Dead Man Three: Saturday Night Cleaver. Yes. Saturday Night Cleaver. <laughs> and uh, you know, and we talked about funny quotes. Uh, the uh, you know along with it too. And here's some funny quotes too. Like one of the main characters uh, that tries to go after this guy. His name's Brick Fields. Brick, I'm Brick Fields. And he goes after, and this is Channel Three News. I don't know why that made me think of an anchor, but like he goes, he goes like he's he's trying to kill this uh, uh, this 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 biscuit, this knife wielding biscuit, and he he asks him on the ropes here. He has him on the ropes here, and a classic quote is, "Now it's time to meet your maker. Prepare to face the butcher baker. For tonight, your ass is toast." <laughs> and the, and and the. And Gary Busey so and Gary Busey so and Gary Busey looks up at him and goes, "You got to be shitting me." <laughs> I love it, as Gary Busey would do. Yeah, yeah. So the ginger dead man. 
That's my that's my shitty scary movie for the for the for this Chad, Halloween. Wow. Chad giving us the annual Chad Meyer shitty scary movie for every Halloween. Chad, that's a good one. And I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Uh all right, boys. I think that's uh that's about all we've got. Again, uh what a great episode. Tons of blue jacket stuff, tons of brown stuff. Didn't even get a chance to get to the Cavs, and 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 they're playing great right now. Uh, a, a good finish to the week for them, uh, uh, or at least start to this week, I guess is what I should have said. Uh, uh, beating the Hawks and beating the Nuggets, they're playing really well. Uh, but I think for now, we got time to get to the Cavs later. For now, we're going to wrap this one up, and we're going to send it to our three cheers of the week. So, Joe, again, wow, missed you for a couple weeks. You get to lead us off. What is your cheer of the week? So this many, week? so many honors. Well, I got, I got two because I always have two. I guess um, the first one goes out to Browns backers bars everywhere. We went and yes. watched the Thursday night game at the Browns backers bar here in Nashville, which is Doghouse on Demumbian Street. Demumbrian, I should say that right because I live here. Um, and it is insane in the membrane. It is electric to watch a game with Browns fans when you're not in Cleveland. Yes. Isn't it? It is. It is like you had a, probably a similar experience when you were watching the Cavs championship on the cruise ship. Like it's just like when you're watching people rooting for like the same team in a different plate, like it's so like everyone just got Browns jerseys on there. There's like Colt McCoy jerseys, Braylon Edwards jerseys showing up in there, like some deep cuts. Um, <laughs> real deep cuts, and they also have this Chris Gardaki. They have an LED wall for their TV, so their TV is like I don't like sixteen feet in diameter. Like it's huge, absolutely massive TV. Uh, so shout out to Doghouse in Nashville, and the other cheers goes to Charlie Morton of the Braves. Oh right, my 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 boy that's pitching was sixteen pitches on a broken leg. Yeah. In game one of the world. Crazy. Crazy. I, I love that. That is like if I think regardless of the Braves win or not, sorry, Chad, but like if that is like one of the most like it'll be one of the most infamous stories that you hear for years going on, like like the 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 Kurt Schilling bloody sock kind of thing. Like you're always going to see Charlie Morton's name and how he pitched on a broken leg to finish out his batters in the World Series. Yeah. Absolutely that, that crazy. Was, that is, uh, it was one of the craziest things when they said he broke his leg on that on that ball that came back and hit him and he finished up that inning. Uh, yeah. An incredible it, story. Freshman your fibula, like, that's a big, that's a big bone. Like, that's not like, that's a big thing to fracture. <laughs> it's, it, well, it's a bummer when you do that. It's a bummer. But, uh, Joe, you missed, you missed us for a couple weeks, so you get a couple cheers of the week. And you missed you me. The, I missed you guys, too, I guess. All right, you brought the heat. You brought the heat there. It's good to have you back, Joe. Chad, what's your, uh, what's your three cheer of the week this week? My cheer goes to Glenn Newton. Glenn Newton. I'm, I'm sorry. What? The Glenn Newton. I can't believe you guys never heard of him. Oh, all right. No explanation needed. Your cheer goes to Glenn Newton. Yeah, end the show. There we go. Cool. Uh, no, Glenn Newton uh, of England. He got banned from a golf course. Uh, his membership got banned uh, because uh, of a couple of, uh, of run-ins. Like uh, the, the the head staff of the golf course, I guess, decided to ban him because he wasn't following club rules. Uh, but how did he exact his revenge? 
He took weed killer and went and poured it on one of the greens. <laughs> he said, fuck you guys. Fuck your membership. You're great. The 18th green is going to die. And it's going to die via weed killer. And it's going to die via weed killer. And uh, so he did. He, he went over there and apparently one of the grounds crew found him and they went. Uh, it, came, it came to blows between the uh, groundskeeper and Glenn Newton. But uh, Glenn Newton exacting revenge. Uh, for 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 some bullshit that he got uh, lost his membership on the golf course for for some for some bullshit yeah I love it uh, I've got a quick two parter for my cheer of the week uh, I don't think I can compete with Glenn Newton that's fantastic uh, but mine are going to be quicker uh, so my first cheer is my mother because as we record this it is her birthday hey. So we went out for my mother's birthday tonight. We had a little dinner. It was it was a terrible dinner. Oh, uh, so I feel bad for that. We had a terrible dinner. Where'd you go? Uh, but uh, we went to Si Senor over here in Westlake. What? Awful. Just straight up awful. Really? We're like uh, no Senor. Yeah, it was. It was a <laughs> no no retorno Senor. Oh God. Uh, oh. Uh, yeah, it it was that bad. So, uh, but you know, got to spend time. My mom got to hang out with us. With her grandkids, uh, and so just a happy birthday to my mom. You bring out a uh, sombrero for her. P.S. If uh, we we didn't do the sombrero because we were just not thrilled with dinner, and we were like, let's just get out of here. All right, hey, no, senor. Uh, my mom is very inactive on Instagram, but if you if if everybody that listens to this wants to go flood her Instagram with happy birthday wishes, you can do that. Her her name is Keith ten twenty seven, Keith. One zero two seven. Perfect. Go over there and flutter Instagram with happy birthdays. Perfect. Uh, I hinted to this before, but my other cheer of the week goes to my buddy Kyle Ferris. Kyle's in our fantasy league that we do with us, uh, and he hooked me up with literally the best Browns game experience I have ever had with the 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 club down by the the locker room, uh, the the seats on the fifty yard line, the ability to stay after the game and like say what's up to the players. The ability to walk. I did the post game from out on the field uh, after the game. It really was just a first class, extremely good experience uh, down at the Browns game on Thursday. So I'm just giving a shout out to my buddy Kyle because uh, what a what a way to do a game. I don't. I, I'm never going to be able to do a regular Browns game again. Oh, hi Kyle. Oh, thanks Kyle. Oh, not Kyle. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's going to do it. Those are our cheers of the week. You got anything special you want us to retweet or cheers or bring up? Let us know anything special going on in your life. We will do that. Otherwise, that's going to do it for us here on episode 88. It was a big one. It was a blockbuster. Two special guests. Uh, and, and, and I don't know if it could have gone any better. First of all, huge thank you goes to our special guests. Uh, Cole Sillinger from the Columbus Blue Jackets, a rookie that is absolutely proving that he was deserving of that first round draft pick and that he belongs in the NHL. Cole was awesome on the show with us. And also Jake Burns from the OBR. Jake, insanely knowledgeable about what he's talking about with the Browns. And uh, while he had a lot of constructive criticism for the Browns, he also proved that we should all have a lot of hope for this Cleveland Browns team moving forward. So thanks to those guys. Thanks to uh, Belly Up Sports and the Unhinged Radio Network. And as always, our biggest thank you on the Garage Beers podcast goes out to you, the listener. Go follow us everywhere. Social medias, 
at the Garage Beers. Go check out garagebeershop.com. Get your merch. But until episode 89, for Chad over there on the east side at Garage Beers, Chad. For Joey down in Nashville at Garage Beers, Joe. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers, Mike, saying hope you enjoyed it. Hope you'll check us out again next week. And we until then, uh, hope you all have a great Halloween, a great weekend. And cheers, everybody. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.